0: Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today is part three on a mini series that we're doing called Back of the Napkin, a business plan in 11 slides. And we have our guest, Brandon White, with us again, who's digging into this topic, who's wrote a book on this and just has a ton of experience in this area. So if you haven't catched our first two episodes, I recommend doing that now. And again, we're going through on this mini series, the 11 slides that you need to complete your business plan. And so the first episode, we talked a little bit about Brandon White and his history and kind of where this even came from. Then we went into the title and elevator pitch slide, the problem slide, and the solution plot slide. Last week, we talked about market opportunities, your go-to-market plan, and traction, and milestones. So those were the first six slides in this market plan or business plan. And today we're talking about two key ones as well, competition and financials. So Brandon, welcome back to the show, and I'll kind of let you kick off this next two slides within this back
1: of the napkin to business plan. Thanks for having me back, Mike. And one thing I just wanted to say to listeners, if they are dropping in this episode and they haven't listened to the last two episodes, is this is not a 50-page business plan. This business plan is designed so that you can do this thing on a flight from San Francisco to New York or vice versa. It is not this long-winded plan. And you want to go back to listen to episode one where Mike and I talk about that.
0: Thanks for bringing that out. Because I think that's an important thing and so important to our listeners is You know, people think of these business plans being massive things. So again, if you're just diving in now, this is something that can be done relatively easily and quickly. And something I'd recommend, whether you're just getting started or been established for a while, if you don't have a simple, easy to understand business plan put in place, now's the time to start. And this series is going to kick you that off.
1: We're jumping into slide seven, which is the competition slide. And I want to start out and just sort of set the tone. For this because a lot of business owners can become very obsessed with the competition. And I am raising my hand if you're only listening and saying, having been an entrepreneur for two and a half decades, even today it can slip. But what I found over time, and, and I'm interested too, Mike, if you want to comment is you can't obsess about your competition because then you will just react and then you will follow. You need to obsess about your customers. That's what you need to be obsessed with. But you do need to be cognizant of your competition because you don't want to get blindsided by something because your competitor just doesn't even has an okay product but cut the price in half. You're going to want to at least know who those people are to be aware of it. I would tell you not to even react at that point. I, I'd say your competitive advantage is, is that you actually are more expensive. That's a whole nother discussion. But I, I think that we as, as business owners and entrepreneurs try to focus, we focus on this competition and it's just not as important as you think because you can't control it.
0: Yeah. And, and just to to point that back, you know, I've seen so many business owners really struggle with this and in myself personally, when you look at competition, you're always comparing yourself to somebody else and you're saying, boy, they're doing really good and they're doing this and now we need to go do that. And while that's good and it keeps you motivated to continue pushing forward and looking at competition as a way of saying, hey, I can't just sit back and relax. I need to continue to to work on this thing. I would look at competition, as you said, in a slightly different area. How I look at it as competition, when when I'm a business owner, accounting firm owner, I often look at competition and say, competition we can sometimes relate to. We can help each other out. When we talk about market opportunities, there is competition that you might think is competition, but they might be going after a completely different market. And so even though you're both accounting firms, it doesn't mean that you're targeting the same type of customer. And even though you're selling lures, it doesn't mean that you're targeting the same exact type of lure or same type of customer. So uh, when i look at competition we've talked about this in previous episodes is that i actually like to collaborate with competition collaborate with competition that is forward thinking above the market so when you look at accounting firms there's a lot of kind of those old school old way of doing thing accounting firms i don't look at them as competition but we look at some of those forward thinking and, and more advanced accounting firms that are really trying to help business owners out i like to collaborate with them what's working for you what's not and how can we help each other out while still Pursuing our business and keeping our business in mind, so take that for what's worth, but i hundred percent agree with you, Brandon, do not let this idea of competition bring you down at any point. use it as a motivator to help you continue to grow and push your product
1: yeah, I love that take that that you have on it. I've seen you do that before because we have some mutual friends, so and they've said the same thing about you, and I think it's a great way to do it and the other thing last thing. Before we jump in here to figure out who your competition is and how to look at it, is use it to inspire you. I look at it as saying, oh my God, you know, there's a software company out there that is doing $500 million in revenue. That's like really good news for us because that means that it's possible. And, you know, it's like when they broke the four minute mile, it's like once it's possible. Everything's possible for you. So, in many ways, just keep that in mind as we go in. Let's jump in. There's a lot of different ways to break apart your competition. Meaning, you know, I went to business school, and it's the SWOT analysis: strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And you can break it down into that in the book and through my experience. Like, there's no religious thing here of what you have to do. My main thing is. Identify who your competition is, where they are in the market, which is where you really are going. Is you may think they're competition, and they're not even competition. They're actually an accounting firm going after businesses that do a billion dollars plus. I, I mean, I'm making this up, but or they they focus on a town or a, a county, whereas you're in the next county over, and you appear to be competition, but you're not. So really. In the book, I explain it. And from my experience, explain that you just want to know who they are. And in some cases, you do want to understand how you're different or how you can be different. There was a book that came out a long time ago called The Blue Ocean. And, and it was, hey, where is the opportunity is the crux of the book is meaning you don't want to go where the red ocean is. You don't want to go where everybody is competing. You want to go where there's a green field. So. That's what we're really trying to identify here is who they are, where they are, and where they're going. And you do this for a lot of reasons. One is, I wouldn't say that you want it to drive your product or service roadmap, but you do want to understand what you're going to run into. So SWOT analysis, you can do this in a graph. Gardner, the magic quadrant, if you're not familiar with that, Google Gardner's magic quadrant, and they... Usually, take most industries, a lot of tech industries, and they'll break down companies into four squares. They're innovators, laggers, basically old school companies, uh, up and coming. You could plot your competition in something like that. You could just list it on a piece of paper. We'll give all the listeners a worksheet, Mike, that you can fill in the blanks. So, there's a lot of different options. And I wouldn't let anyone tell you that there's only one way to do it. I actually, even though I spent over 100 grand on an MBA and they taught SWOT analysis. I would say the SWOT analysis is interesting, but it never left me, Mike, with a tool that I can implement or use in some sort of execution way. So main thing is identify your competition where they are. I like Gardner's Magic Quadrant idea because it sort of says, okay, these are the innovators. These are people who are on the forefront. Maybe there's we were looking at CRM software companies, you know, there's Salesforce who's been around for 20 years and they're not going to innovate as much. And then there's these new high flyers that maybe you're a CRM company and you're going to, you're going to run with. So that's what you're really trying to understand is what that landscape looks like. In some cases, it may be as simple as just looking up the report that you got in your market opportunity slide that we talked about in a previous episode. Like, because we talked about it. You get these industry association type report, annual reports, and they'll explain a lot of the leading companies in there. The same thing will happen in SEC filings, public company annual reports called 10K. They're free. You can usually find them on a company website, or you can find them Yahoo Finance or any or uh free Edgar, which is the government site. And they're gonna list their competition. So find a public company that is similar to yours and then you may not have to do all of the competitive analysis. If you're not quite that high, you're more of a local company, say you're a hair salon or restaurant or something like that. It may be as simple as just going to Google maps. I mean, type in hair salons and Google maps and zoom in and you're going to find all those or restaurants or accounting services, law firms. Uh, I mean, we keep going down bike shops, tackle shops for fishing, keep going down the list here. So there's, different ways, different resources that you can use to find it. So it's really, the, the simple questions are, who is your competition? Where is your competition? How are you different? And what can you learn from your competition? Those are really the four main questions that I go through in the book and that you can use in the worksheet.
0: And that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So we've kind of determined who our competition is and the information about them, where they're practicing and everything else. Next, we get into financials, and I and I think that this is especially interesting to me because this is this is my wheelhouse. Let's talk about financials. What does that look like? Because I also think that when you talk business plan, this is where you lose so many people. Whether they they're in this business plan, they love talking about the problem, the solution, the market, their competition, but then you get to the financials piece, and they're not financial people. And so, let's talk about what does that look like in this more easy, short version. Of a business plan, what does the financial piece look like?
1: I like how you set that out, Mike, because it's absolutely true. And for listeners who now have a bead of sweat happening on their forehead from that introduction you gave, well, I'm going to give you a second and third one because actually, and I know you know this, Mike, uh, for listeners, the financials are the business plan. That is the business plan. This is where your business plan exists. And for people out there who aren't as familiar, you basically have a profit and loss cash flow and a P&L. What I suggest in here, if you're if you're already an existing business, you can probably pull this from QuickBooks relatively easily. You can get your accountant to help you, you can get a finance person to help you, or you can do It, it, it it's not super difficult. I, I have a template that I give people, but what I like to focus on, Mike, for this is cash, because cash is king and it's really as simple as what are your revenue lines in your product or service and putting this into some sort of cash flow statement where you can break this down from sales what it costs you to get those sales your expenses there's a net profit and then there's all these things that you do mike which is hey here's how we can optimize that net profit tax wise and you know there's ebitda and these other things don't get in the weeds on that sort of stuff What I say is that you've got to come up with how you're going to get that revenue. And what I think is important here is that some people who are starting out, they'll they'll say, Well, we're going to do a million dollars in revenue in our first year. And I say, Well, that's awesome. Or we're going to do, we're doing 1.5 and we're going to do four next year. And I say, Okay, well, let's go to that tab in your worksheet. And they're like, Well, what do you mean the tab in the worksheet? I'm like, Well, I want to go to the next tab where you've broken down how, those sales breakdown? What are they? Are they different product lines? Are they different services? If you're a service company, how many hours do you have to bill? Right? How many, what it, What does that look like? And that actually feeds off of your marketing tab. And a lot of people do not do this. They don't do the marketing tab because they think that that's something separate. Your marketing, and I come from a background, I worked at America Online in the early days in Marketing and I was responsible for running the financials in marketing. And people will say, "Well, what do you mean you ran the financials in marketing?" Well, you have to run the financials in marketing because you need to understand how much money you're going to make based on the marketing. And it all could it could start with impressions on the internet from a banner ad or whatever it is, and then there's a waterfall that happens on conversions that ultimately winds up into some revenue numbers. So, what I encourage people to do is. You don't need to learn finance. You just got to take one step at a time. What are you going to sell? How much are you going to sell? When we we used fishing lures in the last two episodes as an example, how many fishing lures do we have to sell to do a million dollars? And you can approach this however you're comfortable with it. If you say, "Hey, I want to do a million dollars," and you say, "Okay, well each fishing lure costs 5.95. It's simple math here. A million divided by 5.95, that's going to come up with probably a lot of fishing lures. And then that's going to drive your marketing tab that's going to say, okay, well, if, I, if my landing page on the internet has a 1% conversion rate, how many people do I have to get to my website to sell that number? That's how this works. And it's very hard, and I think I'm struggling here to communicate it verbally without maybe even teaching it or with a whiteboard or with slides. But it's really simple as breaking this thing down and following the trail of how you're going to get that. And the thing that I always want to ask is, okay, well, how am I going to get that number? How am I going to get that number? And for your people, a lot of, and, and you probably know this better than anyone, Mike, people will say, we're going to have 10 people by the end of, or next 12 months, we're going to hire 10 people or we're going to have 10 people in our company. Well, you should have an HR tab because it's going to cost you like, 12 to 15% more than their salary because you've got to pay taxes. You've got to pay their probably 401k matching. You've got to pay some form of insurance likely. And then you have incidental and then you have a capital expenditure when they come on to buy their computer. This isn't complicated. Finance scares people. And I get that, but it's actually a lot of fun because you get to see how much money you can make and you get to see what it's going to take to get there and what you will find once you run through this exercise is you may come up for the first six months and be negative and say, Hey, we're losing money. Well, here's the cool thing is we have a slide coming up called funding and that's the funding number because you're hmm. going to have to figure out how much funding you need. And this doesn't mean just raising money. You could borrow the money. You could borrow it on credit cards. You know, I'm not recommending this. I started my first company, Mike and I traded stocks and it worked, but it was risky. But When when we say funding, people always try to usually think either a venture capitalist or angel funding in today's day and age, and it doesn't have to be that. So I hope that I wandered a little bit here because I struggle with explaining it in a way without a whiteboard or a slide, but it's really just breaking down all of these things from sales to expenses or sales to how much it costs you to get those sales and then your general expenses and then figuring out what that bottom line looks like.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's good. And, and and like I said, we'll have a blog post with some some templates and stuff that Brandon has been fortunate enough to give us. But I, and I think that'll help run through this. But what I always say to you, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. I've seen people get to the point where they get to this point and they're like, man, I, there's not much money to be made in this business. And so there might be an opportunity there where you're realizing like, maybe this isn't the greatest idea. Now, not to say that because you're Plan says there's not much money to be in. It doesn't mean that there's no money to be in it and there's not a way to make it, make it make money. But it might be some eye openers and and it will also help you. And I think we talk about the funding slide. I think it'll help also open your eyes a little bit so that you know that when you get going on this, if you are losing money, you're like, this is just part of the plan. Like, let's look back at our plan. Let's look at how we're going to get there. We didn't expect to return a profit in month one or month two. That's part of our plan. That's where this funding comes in. So, um, I would just say that. And again, keep it simple. Um, you can always bring in a partner for this. Bring in somebody that is experienced in this area to look at it if you don't feel confident with it. If you haven't done a profit and loss, you haven't done a balance sheet, you haven't done those types of things before, you might not even know where to start. And just get some numbers on paper and throw it by someone that knows financials a little more, and they can turn those numbers into something that looks like what maybe an investor might be looking at. So there's definitely ways to do that. And I'm sure Brandon, some of the templates he has definitely kind of outlined, what does this thing look like and how do we present it in a way that an investor is going to appreciate it?
1: And you can start this on the back of a napkin. Like you can just start this on the back of the napkin. And one last thing I want to say to that point that you brought up, Mike, is doing this business plan exercise may lead you to say, I'm in a business that in order to get there, it's just not, I don't want to do it or it's not feasible It's something that I don't want to tackle. I hate to say too hard, but, or or maybe this business, some businesses, as you know, Mike, can only be so big because maybe you're in a town and, you know, you've maxed out the revenue of that town, of the people in that town. So that's not a bad thing. I think too often we think that it has to be a success. Like, I'll be honest, I told you in episode one, I failed at least, I say failed, like at least 20 things I've tried, didn't make it. Some of them died at the business plan. Because I was like, well, never, the margins are too thin here. And that's Mm. a good thing because now you're going to save your time and not realize that five years later when you can't get that time back.
0: I love that. And I think so many people would get to that point in the business plan and say, this isn't going to work and they can't make it work financially. So they just go at it anyway. Say, well, I'm just going to make this work in the back end. Let this be your red flag. Let that be that indicator that, hey, something has to change maybe we're going after the wrong market. Maybe we're going after the, you know, the the solution isn't quite where it needs to be or the problem's not as significant, whatever it is, maybe something needs to change, but don't, this is a great opportunity. I love that idea, Brandon, is that that's why we do business plans. That's why investors want to see some sort of business plan because they can envision what this is going to look like. So that kind of wraps up slides seven and eight. Again, if you haven't listened to our first two episodes, do so now. We're talking about the back of a napkin to business plan in 11 slides. Again, this is the easy way to do a business plan in the way that I think everybody should be doing a business plan, especially after the conversations with Brandon. And so the first slide we talked about was title and elevator pitch. Second slide was problem. Third slide was solution. Fourth slide was market opportunities. Fifth slide was go to market plan. Six was traction and milestones. Today we talked about Seven slide, which is competition. The eighth slide, which is financials. Next week, we're going to wrap all this up with slides nine, 10, and 11, which is team funding needs and the summary and then kind of talk about where we've come from and how we got here. So Brandon, I just want to thank you again. Again, there's going to be a show notes with a link to a blog post that has all this content and, and slides and different things where, where you can reach out to Brandon as well. But Brandon, let us know kind of where the listeners can find you and find your book.
1: Best place is my personal website, brandoncwhite.com, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-C is in Charlie White, W-H-I-T-E.com. Mike, thanks a lot for having me again. This has been fun.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you all next week when we finish up this mini-series on Back of the Napkin to Business Plan in 11 Slides. Thanks, Brandon this has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening
1: and have a great day.